Welcome to Psychotherapy. I am Jet Dunlap, your host. This week's podcast is episode 24. And it is about some things that are difficult for me to come to terms with, some things that I actually have to stretch to admit to myself that I want to do in life. And we explore these failures that you've had in your life that may have pitched your direction and how many years should you put effort in and do the last 20 years equal the next 20 years. If you're younger than that, 5, 5, 10, 10, you get the idea. Does the past dictate the future? It sounds like these are going to be redundant. And sure they are. We're humans. We only have X amount of ways of interpreting stimulus and experience. But I put myself up against it this time. I'm real with myself about where I am and what I want to do, how I want to do it, and what things I've been hiding from you, the listener, things that I'm afraid of so much that I don't want to admit to you that I'm avoiding, because then I'd be accountable. So that is what we're going to explore in episode 24. Thank you for listening. That episode starts right now. I got my first business card when I was in high school. I had to have been high school. I thought it was a lot earlier, but I had to have been high school because uh, I had a pager. And uh, the way I had a pager was I had been working since I was 15 years old at McDonald's. I had applied to 20 different places, six times each, trying to get into a job that would be fun, like electronic sales or working in a movie theater. I applied to every movie theater near us. McDonald's was the only one who called me back. And uh, I ended up working inside ice skating rink at the Isoplex where the Kings trained. So when I had enough money, I got business cards, very young, freshman in high school. And the reason I wanted them was because I knew I wanted to increase my network. I wanted to have more friends. I wanted to know more people. And at a very young age, I don't know if this came off a conversation I had with someone. I don't know if it came off of an innate sense. It may have even probably more likely than anything come from movies. But I knew that I wasn't going to make it in the way that my peers were going to make it. I could study more than you've ever studied in your life. And I was going to get a D on the test because of the way my brain set up. So, business cards were very simple. Jet Dunlap. And the phone number, the last four digits of the phone number spelled out my name, Jet. And that's the last four digits of my number now, and it's been the last four digits of my number for a long time. Because back in the day, that was a cool way for people to remember your number. Now it doesn't matter if people are just programmed in your phone or you don't talk to them. And usually you're going to text them anyway. Am I giving you any news here that you haven't heard before? I knew back then that I was going to be able to talk to more people, network with more people before I even knew what network meant, than I was going to be able to make grades, period. I knew that whatever success I was going to find in life, and I learned it from a very young age by the amount of businesses I went to to apply to get my job. Most of my friends, they went to one place. Parents had a connection or they worked for their parents. I didn't have that. So I had a job with my father as a janitor for 10 years prior to this. We'd work every weekend. So it would help pay for my school and stuff like that. I was working a job I didn't want to do to pay for a thing I didn't want to go to, which was kind of funny, but maybe there was a lesson in there too. So I passed out these business cards to everyone because I knew I wanted to go places. The first time this became something of value that I saw was when I got invited to be on the set of Friends as an audience. I only knew about this peripherally. And the reason for that is that without the internet, everything was kind of you knew through a friend or a friend of a friend. And I had never been invited to a set. I had never had any 
connections whatsoever. And any connections my family had were anecdotal, like they knew a person in high school or college, but they no longer had any connection with that person or they didn't know that person anymore. So it wasn't gonna, it wasn't a live connection that could assist me. I go down to the set of friends invited by my buddy, Chris, we're an audience, we're just in the audience. And I thought it was pretty cool. It's hard for me to remember because this is like in 1998. I bring my cards with me because I'd already been in the habit for about four years. I pass out my card to every single person who will accept it. I don't know who's important. I probably pass it out to the DJ. I probably pass it out to the stand-up comedian, the warm-up. Finally, someone kind of received it and said that they were looking for someone in this job called a page. Didn't know what that meant, but I thought, all right. I hounded this dude while we were at the audience. You're there probably like five or six hours. I'm like, call me, call me, call me, call me, call me. You know, I, you know, this is my thing. I don't have any internships. Finally, I made a joke with the guy where I said, call me and our people do lunch, which was a joke in Hollywood. And, uh, or call me and our people set up a lunch was the joke. And I would say, call me and I'll have my people have lunch with your people because, you know, I'm so important. I can't even have lunch with you. That was the joke. Anyway, not a great joke, but this guy liked me enough to call me the next day and I ended up being on the set of That 70s Show on the Tuesday of the following week. I'm out of high school, getting my feet planted in the business, which is all I needed ever was to be in the room. Get me in the room and I'll make a connection with someone. Someone's going to like me enough to want to be around me a little more and that's going to bring me to the next level of this business. So I did. I worked there for about four years. I probably passed out probably 400 business cards. I networked like crazy, talked to every actor, talked to every background actor, talked to... I didn't even know what background was, by the way. This is like in 1998. I didn't know what background acting was until again in 2009. 2009. Because no one ever talked to me about it. It was weird. There was just kind of this gray area I kind of fell into. That job ended up going away under weird circumstances that I'll talk about another time. Nothing that I did wrong, but it kind of dissipated. And the connections that I gathered and tried for um, didn't pan out. I was working a day job every day that I wasn't working an audience job. On audience days, they were f- Fridays and Tuesdays, for whatever reason, for sitcoms. And that's when I was a page. Basically, I had to escort people from the live audience of a TV show to the queue where they're lined up before they go on the show and back and forth and then to the bathroom and back and then out of the studio at the end. Basically, you're like a, a docent for a live television show. Your personality could be as excessive as you wanted. So you could be funny. You, I kind of got used to like the stand-up atmosphere, just standing in front of a row of people and making jokes. I thought I was pretty cool. I made some friends. And on the days where I wasn't there, I was working at this electronics store. And I was networking there too. I was passing out probably as many business cards there to get people to understand I wanted to go into film and television. So compounding all this, I talked to thousands and thousands of people in the greater Los Angeles area. One of the people I talked to was a guy named Christopher Titus, who was a stand-up comedian. He was my client at Good Guys Electronics. He bought high-end electronics for me for home theater. And he was starting a pilot show. And he's like, hey, listen, you know, I'm doing this pilot, and uh, we might be able to use some PAs. I didn't really know what a PA was, but uh, I knew it was like a gopher, right? That's what they called it back then. I said, great, let me in. Has me interview. It's the coolest thing I've ever done. I'm like, I know the guy who runs the show. It's called Titus, brand new sitcom. It wasn't even through a connection of my job where I was working on set, which was funny, but I met him in an environment outside of where I was a low level, you know, weasel. I met him in a place where he actually wanted a service from me, respected my understanding of high-end electronics, whatever. Respected me enough to get me an interview. Now, it was an important job. I don't remember exactly what it was because 
under today's terms, I think it might have been like a training position. I don't know. But uh, it was important, a little more than PA. And I go in, I interview, I wear a suit because that's the kind of guy I was. The interview goes great. Now I'm able actually to call Christopher Titus after this, the guy who is the producer and the runner of the show. I say that to say that you can't get a better connection than that. Guy's name is on the show. He's the guy who's in charge of it. He produces it. He's a main actor. I call him and he said, you had a great interview. Everyone loved you. So we'll get back to you. I was excited. I thought, okay, here's my way out. I get my foot in the door. It's the right age. I'm like 20 years old. It's going to start. That business card I passed out helped. That hustling to get a job in commission sales, where I'm in an area where people who work in the industry are going into this store. This is perfect. I'm moving. I'm going to get this job. It's going to lead to the next step, the next step, the next step, and I'm finally going to get somewhere. Now, I'd had a job straight out of high school, which was working at Universal Studios as a ride operator. That's another one where I was trying to get close to the entertainment industry. At least I was on the back lot, right? So finally, call Christopher Titus a couple more times. He finally says, hey, man, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but one of the executives, kids, friends from some soccer team, I think it was soccer or football, uh, got the job because they're friends with this person. He's like, I pulled for you, but uh, you didn't get it. And I'm like, was I the best? And he's like, absolutely no question, but this guy's connection. And I continued to try for another 11 years. And maybe I'll go into all the stories of those later. But it was through networking. I was still doing the thing I knew I needed to. I had new business cards. I was still pounding the pavement to try and get into the industry I wanted to. Later, I have a bunch of different business cards for a bunch of different businesses. Ventures, hosting, consulting, mostly in the entertainment industry. But the reason I'm talking about this is I'm about to order my first set of business cards in six, seven years. Well, even longer than that, because the last ones that were ordered for me, the last two that were ordered for me were, were from the company that I was consulting for. Now, here's the moral to all this story. It becomes more difficult the older I get. So now I'm doing it again. I'm starting again. It's hard to see an outcome other than failure if what you felt in the past every time was failure. Now let's take it all the way back to the Christopher Titus thing. Was that a failure? Well, if you look at the fact that I didn't get the job, yes. If you look at it as a failure, you stack those up and it becomes so heavy to move the next step. I always say, put one foot in front of the other. That foot feels like it's in a hundred tons of concrete when you've had that happen so many times. And then there's this perception of age, which actually shouldn't be a problem because now I know more, know more people, know more what to say, but I'm doing less. Why am I doing less? Because I have been being rejected in this business and not in a rapid fire auditioning sense. I went through that too, but I'm talking about interview, connection, long cultivation of relationships, networking, and then not having the thing happen. Not just walk into a door Hi, my name is Jet. I'm reading for, oh, you don't like me? Fine. Not that. That was easy. Never had a problem with that. I'm talking about stuff like with Christopher Titus where he's ready to do it. And then he's like, oh, sorry, something came up. And I've had that a hundred times. So now I'm about to order my new business card again. It's hard to be hopeful. Now I have pockets of hope, right? I get inspired. I'm working out at the gym. I'm listening to the right song. I watch the right movie. Something inspires me, right? And I try and hold on to that moment for as long as I can, even with caffeine. But uh, it's hard to perpetuate enough to turn that feeling into activity that serves the cause the way it did when I was young. And there's, there's no, 
I mean, here, here's a funny thing. I want to show you the legitimacy of my complaints, right? So I want to say like, it's no joke that I've been trying this since I was about 15 years old and I'm 40. So that's a lot of time. But the person I'm going to meet today, the person I'm going to talk to tomorrow, didn't know me then, only knows me now. So meeting them now is the only way it could have happened. And all that other time is arbitrary. I want to look at that period of time and I either want to say to myself, well, you were not supposed to do it or you would have made it, which it's just so much more complex than that, the way the planet's set up to say that, because I don't think it's a compound effect of all those things happening that's going to bring me to the realization that obviously this is not the profession for me, public speaking, motivation, the entertainment industry, creation, script writing, stuff like that. But it's tough. And I find things to do to keep me from having to look into that world because that world has treated me like shit. <laughs> you know, that world has just, it's, it's kicked me around a lot and it's hurt me and I'm battered and bruised. Now in my heart, I think I can take all the abuse in the world and I'm going to be fine. And I guess more so than a lot of people, that's the case because here I am still talking about it, still working on it, still networking, still doing what I did last night. Right now, I'm faced with one of the toughest ones, and uh, I hesitate to talk about it on the show because then I'm holding myself accountable to more than just my wife. Here it is. I have been avoiding stand-up comedy since college. I did improv. I did a lot of stuff, but I never wanted to do stand-up. And I have a lot of elegant, beautiful, well-crafted designer excuses and reasons. The biggest one recently... And I'm not going to tell you whether it's legitimate or not. That's going to be for you to judge. Because if I say it's legitimate and I'm just trying to make more excuses, but here it is. I have had toughness in my life. And in the last five or six years, I've had some real difficulties mentally, emotionally, and physically losing my mind and everything. And to think that I'm going to start a new thing as a new person is tough. Am I afraid of failing in front of a room? Not really. I once had to go on a Mexican television show, had to, well, I chose to, Telemundo show. I had to sing with my shirt off, with a blindfold on, in front of a live audience, and be rotated on the stage in Spanish. Not the, ro the stage didn't rotate in Spanish. Everything rotates in the same language. Objects don't adhere to our language barriers. But I had to sing in Spanish. They tried to teach me this song, this small section of a song forever. I wasn't getting it. I'm not good at memorization. So I sang this song completely butchered, completely horrible, with my shirt off, and I got booed in front of a giant audience on live TV. And I survived. So I can make it through just about anything. Oh, and after that, I had to sit on the sidelines in the mask on this show waiting to be revealed as to who I was or what I looked like. And then they said a bunch of stuff in Spanish. I didn't understand it. But um, so I've survived things like that. I've done a lot of stuff on TV that didn't kill me. So I shouldn't be that afraid of doing stand-up. But here's the thing. When I was a youngster at any point in my life, in the worst parts of my life, humor was my savior. And then when I lost my mind a couple of years ago, I was in a really bad place for a long time. My mom even said months later, when I first started to get my humor back and started making jokes, she's like, now I know it's you again because you have your sense of humor. So that's been an identifying characteristic of who I am for a long time. And I have a very real adult fear going out there and being rejected for the thing that has been steady in my life and something I know I can go anywhere with and have it resonate. 
So it's like, in, if, it, if this was a movie, which is the only terms I can think of because I'm an egomaniac, there's two ways this could go. And I know which way it's going to go. It's going to be successful and all that stuff, right? Boo-hoo. And maybe that's what I'm afraid of. Oh, you're afraid of success? Yeah, I really want to be poor. I don't know if there really is a fear of success. That's kind of a little bit funny. I think we just kind of designed that because it sells books. But it is my last hiding place. I don't have another secret skill set. The thing that I have the most skill for is humor. And I don't want to be rejected for something I value that much. When I was an actor, I knew I could force myself into acting when I auditioned. I knew I could play a role. I knew I could play a character. But if you got rid of that, it was okay, whatever. You know, it wasn't who I was. Whether I was out of shape, whether I had acne, at any point in my life, no matter what age I was, my sense of humor was the core component of who I am. So to put that out there is frightening. I don't see a scenario in which it fails because that all it is is repetition. Keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. But there's still that emotional barrier. Even with everything I know, there's that like, can I put myself out there for this thing that I've known I've needed to do my whole life? Can I go out there and try and do a thing that, I mean, it's probably the perfect place for me. And by probably, I mean it is. And I've just been avoiding it. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's not like stand-up comedy funny. I don't expect you to laugh, but it's true. And my last business card I'm ordering is for uh, entrepreneurship because now I can invest in people's companies and bring products to market. So here are the two things that I can do with the rest of my life. Be an entrepreneur, a comedian, and a speaker. I guess that's three, but they really blend into each other because humor is in all those jobs and my speaking is in all those jobs. But it's just, it's this stupid fear of age and there's a quality of life factor in all of this conversation that I think should be explored in the next podcast. And maybe I'll actually remember. But all the things I've tried and all the things I've failed at has some positivity behind it. And I don't know if you notice it if you're working a day job. These experiences, these efforts, I'm living, I'm trying, I'm moving, I'm scaling new mountains. At 40 years old, I'm willing to start a new career. At 40 years old, I'm willing to challenge myself, not only do public speaking, but do comedy in front of a room that's going to judge me. I haven't become so rigid in my ways by the age of 20, like most people, that I'm like, I wouldn't do anything like that. I think the quality of life is how much you push yourself. Are you learning that instrument? Are you learning that language? Are you going windsurfing? Are you taking the kids scuba diving? You know, are you going kayaking? Are you going paddleboarding? Do I need enough... Uh, Examples? Do you understand what I'm saying? By traveling. There's one more. That's it. I'm cutting myself off. Your quality of life is through expansion. Because if you're not expanding, you're contracting. That's how it is. And so keeping up with these challenges in my life, rock climbing, which was the thing I put on my plate last year, podcasting, which is the thing I'm doing right now, carpentry, which is something I'm constantly doing that I couldn't do before. But I'm constantly doing things outside of my wheelhouse to expand the experience of life. And this next one's going to be scary, but isn't it kind of cool that things still scare me? I've jumped out of airplanes, made documentaries in the sky. I mean, I've done all these incredible things. And here's another thing that still scares me. That's great. That's a good thing. That's what we should be doing. I've talked about it in terms of the job, the career, the passion. And that's what this podcast is about, pursuing your passion. But it's also just expansion in those minutes in between that other stuff. Go get that other damn job. 
allegedly the economy is better than ever. You should be handing out, or handing out, listen to how old I am. You should be applying for all these other jobs online. Don't get rigid. Rigidity is death. And I mean that. If you do the same thing every day for 50 years, that's death. You know, there's a saying that says that, you know, we die in our 80s, but most people are dead inside by the age of 25. And that's butchered. I butchered that, uh, that quote. But you get it. At 25, 35, 45, whatever it is for you, you're like, this is it. This is all I'm going to be. This is all I ever want to be. And, you know, that's not for me personally. And if you're listening to this, it's probably not for you. So I got to start making steps to become a stand-up comedian, and I'm going to have to hold myself accountable with you folks. What is it for you? Let's do it together. Thanks for listening. I'm Jet Dunlap. This was Psychotherapy. Talk to you next time.